and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a face to accuse every person you know in town of witchcraft. I do it all the time. <laughs> every day. That's why I don't think I have neighbors anymore. It's been very quiet here lately. Um, well, um, you keep just accusing me, um, which I don't want to be reading into anything, but did I do anything to piss you off lately? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I don't think you ever pissed me off in my life. Um, but I just, I, I'm one of those people that I lie a lot, so I just kind of had to, like, accuse you by default. It, take it, take it as a compliment. We are talking okay. about The Crucible. Uh, so Arthur Miller wrote The Crucible as an allegory for McCarthyism when the United States government persecuted people accused of communism and paranoia, overshadowing a larger conversation about privacy. But the story is mostly fictional to the extent that it utilizes names and minimal public information supporting the existence of the book's characters, but beyond that it's not necessarily very accurate. The play follows the false accusations attributed to many townspeople in Salem and the implications of these accusations, and essentially kind of uses the story to tell a larger story and send a larger message about McCarthyism, uh, which was rampant at the time that Miller wrote the book. My name is Caitlin, and it's corn. A big lump with knobs. It has the juice. It has the juice. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Woo. It's corn. I can tell you all about it. I mean, look at this thing. When I tried it with butter, everything changed. It sure did. It I know sure that, did. I know that the people listening to this are just like, oh my god, Caitlin, that's so, like, end of August. Like, why are we bringing <laughs> this back? It's dead. Well, because it's currently the week that that TikTok went viral, and it's only the only thing that's been playing in my head. Every second, I just keep yelling, it's corn. Yeah, it's. I think it's taken <laughs> over my entire life, and um, I want to say I'll be happy when it's gone, but I think it's also given me a serotonin boost that I deeply needed, so... It's funny because when I first heard it, I was like, oh my god, this reminds me of those old YouTube videos that, the like, news. from Shmo Yoho, yeah, the Shmo Yoho videos, and then I looked to see who created this, and guess who it was? Shmo Yoho! That's our guy. <laughs> They're still here. They're still here. Um, my name Hi. is Emberlyn, and so, listen, I bought this damn Francesca's green sequin jumpsuit on Poshmark for $40, and it doesn't oh? fit me. Oh. Does anyone want it? Yeah, I do. I, th- I was going to ask you. Here, I'll bring it in for a minute. Here, I'll go <laughs> yeah, find it. Yeah, let's see. Yes, for you. all of our our viewers for this podcast, which continues to remain zero. Now, I feel because like this is genuinely the have best any. Um, idea of what it looks like. But know that it has pants, and it's okay. got a nice deep V here, and it's got some nice T-shirts. I'm going to describe it for nice our listeners. Um, I'm describing the sequence for our listeners because um, our viewers can see it, um, all zero of them, yeah. but our listeners, it is a green sequined jumpsuit. It's like emerald. Yeah. Um, it's like you just walked through um, one short day at the Emerald City. Yes. Um, it's got a deep V, <laughs> and it's emerald green in sequence, That's and it's a jumpsuit, so it. I just don't think it's too hard to picture. Yeah. So, um... You want it? One, yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. Well, looks like Your Caitlin's girl taking it, so you guys uh, probably should have reached out earlier if you really wanted Sorry. it. Sorry. Um, in fact, by the time that you uh, probably listen to this episode, Caitlin will probably be wearing it around. Um, so, Sorry. I'm actually wearing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pulled it right through the screen. Pulled it right through the screen. Um, so, Caitlin, The Crucible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember anything about reading this book in high school? Uh, the one thing I remember about reading this book in high school is that I was spoiled the ending uh, from a girl in our chemistry class who was a year older than us. Okay. And we were talking about it, and she was just like, yeah, something, something when John Proctor dies. And I was like, huh? He what? And she's like, oh, you guys didn't get to that part yet? And I was like, no. Dick move. Dick move. No, we didn't. Thank you so much. When you wrote that in the notes, I was like, was that me? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. I would have said, an Emberlin ruined this book. I most I wouldn't. certainly have destroyed other books for Caitlin, I think, the, namely Catching Fire, so. No, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That's right, you that went- was my entire humanities class. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I ruined it for someone else, because I was just like, 
obsessed with those books and I was like can I tell you about this book series and I was telling right. her about it and then she's like wait I might want to read it and I said nope I've started it. I'm not finishing it <laughs> I'm gonna continue talking about it now yeah did you really spoil that for the entire humanities class I did I mentioned it like just off the cuff because we weren't reading it we were just talking about it yeah. in class it wasn't a book that was part of the curriculum and I was like oh well so and so when this happens and everybody was pissed at me and yeah. I was forbid from basically speaking up about the books for the rest of the year by our, our teachers. And I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. I still feel very bad about that. Um, if anyone mm-hmm. out there was in my seventh grade humanities class and holds that against me to this day, you're valid. It's funny because once you mentioned it, I kind of remember something about you and Catching Fire. Yeah. You were being like, don't tell me, I'm not in that class. <laughs> yeah, and then every now and the rest of the year, everybody was like, well, well, hold on. Well, before you raise your hand and answer the question, is it going to be a spoiler? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> just imagine no, me. need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> literally, just imagine me in like like seventh grade science going to raise my hand and my science teacher's like, oh, before, before you answer, is it going to be a spoiler? No. <laughs> Fight me. I don't remember anything about reading this in school. I remember that we had to read it in, like, a play version, so um, there was most certainly some popcorning around the room of parts. Yeah. I was going to say, there isn't really, like, another version of this, is there? Or is there? No, this is it. That's that's it. That's the play. Um, And that's the podcast. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, and we're done now. Really, though, because, I mean, it's... I've had a hard time kind of grappling with how I want to talk about this book because when I think back to when we read this book, what's interesting is that we were at the cusp of this like really fascinating commodification of witchcraft and the witch trials in two ways, both as a symbol of feminism, i.e. we are the daughters of the witches they couldn't burn, which is a choice, um, a choice that we made to start tweeting about and putting on our protest signs in 2016 don't think it was necessarily the right choice but we are here now and to the extent that efforts to hold people in power accountable were also characterized usually by the people who accountability was being sought for as witch hunts and we saw a lot of those tweets back around that time as well and as an avid Florence the Machine consumer I fed right into that right like I love my witchy aesthetics but as an adult revisiting this book and starting to question the nature of what we consider quote-unquote aesthetic I find myself raising larger questions about how the crucible, not as it was intended as an allegory for McCarthyism, but as a retelling of the Salem witch trials that is sometimes mistaken to be very accurate, has transformed our understanding of the trials. Um, I find myself thinking about that a lot. Hold on. There's an emergency outside, everyone. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, it's just interesting for me to wrap my head around. I don't know about you, but like, Something really terrible did happen, like, in, in yeah. Salem in 1962. Many people were killed on, on account of puritanical religious paranoia and local power struggles and, and politics. And while I don't really remember, I'd like to believe that we actually talked a lot about the allegory for McCarthyism in school. In fact, it's, like, right at the beginning of the book. It's, like, on the first page. And I feel like we must have had some sort of, um, like, vocab sheets or something where we discussed it. I'm almost certain we did. I think we, we read... I think that because there's an introduction yes. to the book um, that I think we did read in high school. Yes. Um, and because I remember being like, I thought this was a play <laughs> and um, reading about it. So I, th- I think we did learn because I feel like we learned more about like that time before we even yes. um, read the book. Just to shed some good. light on it. Yeah. Yeah. And just get context for the time period. Um, I will say that when I... Uh, opened up the book this time and I saw how long the introduction is I said I'm not in high school anymore I don't need to read this and I didn't so <laughs> please know that throughout this episode of the podcast you're going to be hearing a lot more from Emberlyn than from me <laughs> and that's okay it is okay because I feel like I don't have I have much more to say about that's I think the benefit really of going back and reading these books as adults and being able yeah. to revisit them is like there's a lot more context and, and understanding I think in our part of what these books mean and, and the role they play in society and why the U.S. Department of Education might intend for us to read them. There are times just based on what I do and don't remember about the book where I feel like maybe we should have nailed the points that Miller was making home more because the focal point of the novel is that mass hysteria is incredibly dangerous to the success of a community and like we're seeing bits and pieces of this now manifesting in different ways that I think might need this lens. Um, 
maybe there's other books that address this issue better but I feel like this is one of those books that was intended to do just that with McCarthyism and it might be interesting to revisit that with like a the lens of um you know the world we're living in now and some of the mass hysteria if you want to call it that we're experiencing now um so that's where I, I leave you with my interpretation <laughs> of this in high school. I know that was like literally an essay, but it's something oh. that I found myself thinking a lot about. But like, I feel like as a high schooler, you know, we were what, 15, 16 when we read this. Um, especially like when you're reading it for an assignment, um, I feel like it's easier to latch on to some of the moments in the book that we might go, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. And yeah kind of like almost laugh at it Mm. but and then like you kind of in that way like remove yourself from the fact that no this was like a real thing and real people like died for not really any good reason at all no or for like people who people died who shouldn't have and it's it's terrible that this was happening and that people were just letting it happen and I feel like even now, like as I was reading the book, some of the dialogue, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is and this is wild!" Like, mm-hmm. listen to this, like, just let the people speak, and just like the way that people were jumping on people, I'm just like, "Oh my god, chill out." Stressy, stressed. I was stressy, yeah. stressed. And I, I almost like laughed at how ridiculous it was, but then I'm just like, "But imagine being one of those people in that time." Like, I feel like it's so like long ago. We could. It, it's almost like we we distance ourselves from it uh-huh. and like we were able to like detach ourselves from it even like being relatable or yeah. even think about the fact that like there are people who are related to those people yeah. today you know like those are real people so um i think it's good to read this again knowing that hey this is not just um a hot take of a play it's mm-hmm. a real thing yeah a real thing so. that happened um so, was there, like, a specific moment in this play? I keep wanting to say book, and it wasn't. It is a book, but, you know, the play that hooked you? Yeah, much like the sauce from my pizza roll hooked itself onto my shirt. Oh, um, no. <laughs> sorry, I just, like, looked down. I was like, what's on my shirt? Oh, yeah, I bit into a pizza roll, and then all of the sauce came out. No. Oh, that must have burned. Uh, no, because it was on my shirt. Although, um, I will say, I have maybe a very faint scar in my chest from having pizza rolls dropped on me before no (laughs) um someone needs to teach me how to eat um (laughs) as far as uh a hook for this play i would say that listening to a radio drama version of this at two times speed is actually very (laughs) captivating that (laughs) uh listen your girl has had a bad time focusing lately. Mm. Um, your girl also should probably get diagnosed for a certain thing at some point, but uh, it's fine. So I, I couldn't really, like, I started the book, and I was just like, not really feeling it, but I know I need to read this book. I just don't have the attention span for mm. this, so I will put the audiobook on and have my hands do something else. And um, mm. couldn't find an audiobook that was great and then um i stumbled upon this radio drama version of it that some cool. group did um i think they were like high schoolers or something so they sounded like high schoolers oh, so it was wow. really interesting um I, d- I don't know if they were high schoolers if they were college um could yeah. i go back into my youtube history and find out exactly that yes will i no um nah. so i'm just gonna keep on guessing <laughs> but anyway and it was it was pretty well done um uh whoever was playing tituba acted your little heart out oh my god um great job but because uh, i didn't really want to sit there for two hours um i put it on two times speed and before you go caitlin you have a really bad history with audiobooks i know i don't learn my lessons here okay i never will i'm gonna keep on making mistakes this podcast is not for lesson learning. It is just specifically it's for vibes. It's for me, for vibing, and for just me having a grand old time while Emberlin goes, actually, there's some history to this, and I get a history lesson, and it's kind of fun for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, however, I, I was able to obviously pay attention to this whole thing, um, mm. but it was kind of funny because 
there'd be parts where they'd be talking really, really fast. And I was like, eh, like, it'll go. And then, like, there was music that played it's with like, it, too. Go. And it was just, like, and the music was just, like, it was, like slightly fast. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was, like, uh, I love like it. it. Where it's, like, almost unnatural. Yeah, yeah. That. It, it kind of made it, <laughs> this is terrible because it's such a heavy su- t- subject, but it made it humorous <laughs> for me. And I was like, what a funny little story that we're listening to. <laughs> but it's not. People died. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> people died it is but also like i think the way that the the book has been adapted since is funny like i literally listened to an audiobook of this with richard dreyfus as like reverend paris nice and i was like what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> like what is this how have it how does it come to this like i you know when i graduated from college i intended to go and work on the hill and do government things and you know, do whatever I wanted to do that I got my degree for. And here I am sitting in my bedroom folding uh, my matching pajama sets and listening to a Richard Dreyfus rendition of The Crucible. Like, how did we get here? Never <laughs> never saw this coming. Um, nothing wrong with yeah. it. I'll take it. Are. I'll take it, honestly, for, oh, you know, working on the Capitol. Those interns, you know, that I've been keeping in my intern Yeah, dungeon. how are they? It's been, it's been a while. Uh, um... Not so good. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Not have you so run good. out of Chobani? Uh, yeah, I have, oh. and they've resorted to eating each other. Oh. Um, which is really concerning. Um, one of them actually made a LinkedIn post about it the other day. They said I had the pleasure of eating my fellow hail turn Sam, um, and I just want to thank Amberlynn for the opportunity. And I just, I think they're becoming a little delusional. Mm. I'm not going to take accountability for it. I'm going to probably direct my, my, my blame toward the go flip yourself people, uh, the people yeah, that yeah, came yeah. Toby and, and Bran. Yeah, Toby and Bran. Toby and Bran, for those of you at home who don't listen to our other series about uh, what we do in the shadows, called What We Do in the Moonlight, um, uh, Toby and Bran, they're two guys. They flip houses. I invite them over here to flip my house, Turn, give me a little walk-in dungeon for all the hill turns in D.C. that uh, were looking for housing. And... Um, yeah, it's not going well. It's not going well. Um, so well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, we yeah. can unpack that off pod over a light lunch, yeah, if you will. So yes, over a light lunch. Um, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> what was your hook <laughs> for the crucible? <laughs> um, I, you know, separating separating the book, separating the play from the action, from the actual historical experience and from the actual people i think actually that john proctor's character is super interesting because Mm -hmm. there's this expectedly tasty uh backstory there between him and his wife and abigail williams and john and abigail have this pre-existing affair and then there's his wife elizabeth so of course like immediately i'm drawn to that very adult theme um, and I'm kind of sad that I didn't take more notice in, in that in high school because it is really, like, some tea yeah, right I was going to say, you know? it was like, we're here for the drama. We're here for the drama. Um, so that was mine. Nice. Did you have any favorite <laughs> quotes from this play? Like, I, I don't even know where to go from here because it's, like, weird to talk about a play instead of just our normal yeah. novels. What, what did you what did you like about this play in terms of, of the dialogue? Um, there's a couple quotes, um, two specifically, that jumped out at me. Um, I don't have the context for either. Don't yell at me, but um, nah. you can if you truly care. You can read it yourself and find them. Context, montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the first is I may think of you softly from time to time, but I'll cut off my hand before I ever reach for you again. Damn. I don't know, man. There's something about that quote. That's a line that hits. Um, yeah, just. Yeah. Whoa. I, I I can't even expand on that. I just feel like you just gotta, um, just hear it. <laughs> Gooses bumped. Just, nips twisted. Most goosebumps. Wagon wiggled. <laughs> Engine revved. Cart pushed. Meow. Woof woof. Bark bark. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big. That was a quote. I don't know. I heard it. I was like, oof. And um, I said I can't expand on that, and I started to ramble. <laughs> um. No. Cause I can't. I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, it's still processing with me. I guess. It's a beautiful. It's a really cool. It is. Mind. It is. I, oof, oof. Okay, yeah. I'm worried. Um, and then my <laughs> next. Uh, you can quote me on that. Oof. <laughs> and then my next quote that I liked was, "I speak my own sins. I cannot judge another. I have no tongue for it. 
And I liked that because when I heard it, I said, not my circus, not my monkeys. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. It hits. It fits. It hits. Fit the chips. Got it. Yes. What were your favorite quotes? Um, I have to say, the one, the first one you mentioned really does, wow. Yeah. It, it's excellent. Um, really pots my plants. Yeah, it really pots my plants. <laughs> it really uh, cools down my fridge. Ooh. It really fixes my washing machine that's been broken for six months. Brad, my landlord, if you're out there, let's talk. You should get Toby and anyway, Brian on that. Yeah, I asked them too. They said that was going to be an extra, you know, cost and he they charge like a 15 percent fee for additional things uh, so i was like mm, i'm really not worth it that. also i get the sense that the fee has gone up since toby's now dead sorry there's what's there's up? just deer going across the road and they're so cute nice Bye. i thought like toby's ghost had transcended and showed up in your house i was like oh my yeah, god they're just galloping across my yard right now toby has risen, <laughs> toby has risen. <laughs> so for me it was the first one it in terms of you know quotes that remind me of other quotes until an hour before the devil fell god thought him beautiful in heaven Ooh, yeah yeah yeah. what the fuck is that like shut up arthur miller really said let's write some profound things here um and i love that line so much because it reminds me of steve buscemi's <laughs> classic do you think god stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created from Spy Spy Kids Kids. Too, baby yeah it's just I, they both hit the same yeah. way yeah Sometimes yeah. I think about how <laughs> little me just heard that line and just had to be normal afterwards. I don't think I had, like, the... Listen, I was, like, what, maybe seven or yeah. eight. My, the most depth I had in my life was this extreme and violent crush on Bob Saget. So, <laughs> Rest in peace. like, didn't have a lot going for me. But as an adult, yeah, I'm like, wow, how did I not pick up on that? Probably Bob Saget. I was too focused on the fun people. Yeah, that also did strike a chord. And my parents divorce. <laughs> I'm just um, my second one is a classic because it is my name. Because I cannot have another in my life. Because I lie and sign myself to lies. Because I am not worth the dust on the feet of them that hang. How may I live without my name? I have given you my soul. Leave me my name. Holy hoopla. Um. Mostly because Daniel Day-Lewis's delivery of this line always fucked me in the movie. Yeah, that was um, a lot. And also, it's just a banger monologue. Like, damn. Yeah. That hit. But to move away from the depth of that, I gotta ask. Yeah. What song are you dancing naked to the forest to? <laughs> well, they gotta have a Spotify playlist for this already. I saw Goody Proctor busting it down with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> What about it? What about it? What's your song? <laughs> uh, not really a dancing song per se, but uh, Daisy the Great dropped Aluminum a couple days ago, and I just mm. listened to it today, and uh, it really paints my picture. I love it so much. Yeah, it really lights my lunch. <laughs> it really lightens my lunch. <laughs> um. It really does. That's a great song. Yeah. And I think that they have another song that made me think about witches, which is, um, witches, witches. Um, Woods. Yes. Uh, which totally works here. Um, another one that's hitting for me in terms of songs I dance naked to in the forest with all of my, my brethren of witchery is most certainly, um, She-Wolf. Yeah! Yeah! Like, that's a yes. It's a banger. Like, oh, that one really whoa. folds my laundry. Yeah, yeah, that one really, that one really knobs my corn. Um, we were having a conversation in a group chat the other day with some work friends where they we were talking about corn and someone said it's buttier, it's butterier, and then someone else said and knobbier, and I can't <laughs> stop thinking about and knobbier, like and knobby it's going to become the adjective that i take with me to my grave knobby corn is a choice also i have a (laughs) i have a corn to butter with your uh friend saying that corn is really buttery it's only buttery if you put butter on it well that was the point was like we were talking we were using the context for the song as in like if you were gonna have some fresh corn um yeah (laughs) nice so you can tell that we both just had a really long week it's been a long week <laughs> you know we already now we know what song you would dance naked to in the forest who would you dance with who would you like in this book 
<laughs> Once again, for our viewers, we saw me just stare at my notes, which is all zero of you, um, <laughs> with fear in my eyes because I did not answer this. And, um, <laughs> woohoo! Uh, want me to go? Listen, guys. Like I said, I listened to a radio drama of this on two times speed. Um, I guess Elizabeth Proctor, who took so yeah. much shit, and for what? <laughs> her husband cheats on her. Her husband's alleged mistress accuses her of witchcraft. She's pregnant. She's pregnant and spends all of this time in jail. She watches her husband die. Like, give the woman a break. And these were authentic and original thoughts from me. <laughs> Those are great thoughts. Thank you. I thought you would agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mine was Elizabeth Proctor. Yeah. Who took so much shit and for what? Her husband cheats on her. Her husband's alleged mistress accuses her of witchcraft. She's pregnant. She's pregnant and spends all of this time in jail. She watches her husband die. Like, give the woman a break. That's exactly what I'm saying. I feel like Mr. Kowalczyk, who accused Caitlin and I of cheating on uh, a quiz way back in uh, ninth grade, is listening to this right now. And he's like, I damn well he's knew like, it. like, I told you. They're cheaters. They've been copying off of each other <laughs> this whole time. Oh, my God. That really bruised my teeth. I can't. <laughs> really carbonates my soda. <laughs> oh my god. I hope people are still listening to us. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what character would you accuse of witchcraft? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is a loaded question because I feel like I don't want to accuse everyone of anyone of witchcraft because I think that might perpetuate the the issue here which is clearly mass hysteria and like yeah. false accusations but i do think i'd like to have a word with the group of girlies who are accusing everyone else of witchcraft yeah. because they're stressing me out like it's time to sit down and maybe maybe do some reflection maybe do some bullet journaling yeah <laughs> yeah you have no one do you <laughs> I don't. Oh, they're all kind of shitty <laughs> yeah, they're, I think that's agreeable. Yeah, shitty. even like you know, like John Proctor is cheating on his wife, mm-hmm. and the rest of it, you know. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, like the governor and like all of the other political figures uh, who were kind of like egging this on. Yeah, yeah, them. That forgot about that. That's exactly what I was saying when I said then the rest of it. <laughs> There was totally a thought there. I totally picked it up when you said in the restaurant. <laughs> you know me I was like, yeah. so well, guys. We've been friends it's for, gay. like, so long. This is Yeah, I read her mind. She gets me sometimes. Don't tell anyone, though, because then I might be accused of being a witch. Okay, 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 okay. Secret's safe with me. <laughs> um, but I will warn you, uh, I'm a redhead, and they'll just accuse me of a witch just for that sake. So I think that's actually happened before in some places I, so. I looked it up before because i was just like was that a thing because i was thinking i was just like i wonder sounds super familiar like, would someone if like i was in that time like would i survive basically would you survive um, and the answer to that was a really quick no a resounding a resounding no. no we found out last week that i wouldn't survive on a desert island um, and we found out a couple weeks before that that we wouldn't survive the regency right era. so so far, our life outlooks are not looking very good. I think we might want to invest in some life insurance policies. Yeah, something. Joint policies. Something. Uh, next question. Oh, do you have... <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, I, you know, they all sucked, and I don't have anyone in particular, um, just because I just couldn't choose. There were so many characters. Yeah, and they were all, like, doing different levels of bad things. Yeah. Like, not looking good. I feel like goody good not looking goody good um <laughs> sorry uh-oh <laughs> uh I, th- I feel like elizabeth proctor is like the only and now i'm treading so lightly here because i don't recall her doing anything questionable or bad but nah. i feel like she's the only moral character in my family yeah like the thing that she apologizes i think to john proctor mm-hmm. for is just being kind of like 
resolved and and absent in the marriage but like how wait she apologizes for being absent in the marriage or just being like not really being as like connected with him or something i feel like that happens in the movie right well um i don't but like that's not a thing to what i was gonna say is that's not a thing to be like upset about she shouldn't apologize for that when he was literally sleeping with another woman shit happens bro sleeping with another woman let's not blame ourselves for our partner's uh actions actions oh my god um so yeah mm, peaks and bellies oh peaks and bellies it's time to talk about what we liked about the book what we didn't like all that specifically two um, things we liked and one thing we didn't like guess which one's which that's a really hard question i don't think i have the brain power for that okay. um do you have any peaks i've got one one peak. But would you like to say uh, your first peak first? Um, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to have to be Daniel Day-Lewis and Winona Ryder. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That movie was off the walls, but boy, oh boy. Like, sexual awakening in 11th grade English class. Am I, I right, that. ladies? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that particularly uh, helpful? No. Yeah. No. That's okay. Um, but that's, there's <clears throat> that. How about you? Uh, my one and only peak for this book is the name Giles Corey. Yeah. That's just some guy. That's just some guy. No, that you're, I <laughs> literally laughed out loud when I read your notes because I was like, yeah, that is, you're right. Because <laughs> like, you know, you're reading the play, you get names like John Proctor and yeah. Goody Putnam and Reverend Paris. And then there's Giles Corey. Yeah, and honestly, if we recall, Giles was kind of a bad bitch because when they tried to get him to give up some information, you know, snitch on a friend of his, he said, he was like, he said, put more rocks on my body and stone me to death. I'm disinterested in that shit. Snitches get stitches. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Um, real girl boss move there. Um. Side note. Whenever Ah. I think of snitches get stitches, nope. Yeah, no, snitches get stitches. Um, that's that's right. the correct term. I always think of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Um, nice. So I feel like that phrase could also be interpreted as like a positive thing. You're like, oh, if I snitch, I get a stitch. Yeah, you get a little alien friend. Guess who's a witch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you have a second peek? <laughs> um, the dialogue in this book was actually very good. I think the quotes proved that that we talked about earlier. There's like a lot of bangers, and I remember thinking a lot about david jenkins of all people when i wrote oh, this that menace. or when i read this rather not wrote this i didn't write the crucible for those of you at home who are confused um because i feel like no one understands a great character dialogue better than playwrights yeah. and of course david jenkins is a playwright and has since written a remarkable show um i feel like this book has some remarkable lines um that would make this a really good play um tell me about your valley the racism towards tituba Oh, wasn't yeah. a fan. Nice. Wasn't a fan. I didn't like that they were using her culture as a reason to accuse her of being a witch. Thought that was bad. Also didn't like the whole she's a slave thing. Um, <laughs> also didn't like that there was a slave in this book. Yeah. No. Um, like. A hot take, slavery bad. And <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I'm not a fan. So sometimes not a reading fan. some of the dialogue towards her made me uncomfy. Um, yeah, which it should because we should learn from those mistakes of that. But I also it's weird that it's weird that Arthur Miller wrote that. Like it's weird, it's weird in the same weird. It's weird in the same way that I'll talk about in a couple of weeks that Stephen King just like playfully uses the N word in The Shining, no, like it's nobody's business. No, no, and like it's just like there are certain people that shouldn't be telling these stories and i feel like they're on that list for sure yeah so yeah that was that's a big valley for me how about you not so much a peak because it's a valley or a valley not so much a valley so much as like a brow wrinkle that i've had ever since i read this because like as i said before and i'll say again i have like infinite questions about this book's impact on the cultural zeitgeist concerning which lore today it's probably not that deep but i think we're really quick to make fun of like the salem witch trial as like a cultural concept um and it makes sense like it happened so long ago um 
but like it's hard I think as you said earlier for us to place ourselves in a space emotionally where we can think about um how terrifying it must have been uh to be sentenced to death by people in your own town um I mean given in fact given the added layer for Tituba of of basically being captured and brought over here yeah and then be put through this is kind of horrifying like I hate to put a damper on the pod, but, like, it's very serious, right? Mm-hmm. This was Miller's point in the sense about McCarthyism, and I think he's on the right side of this argument, but I sometimes wonder if maybe we needed to hammer that home more in English class. And here I come back to this question about the commodification of witches and whether it's insensitive. There's a lot of debate about whether it's justified for Salem to commodify the trials and place emphasis on the spooky aspects of it for Toryism, without maybe getting into the meat of the issue, and that's that it's a pretty dark period in American history that should be treated with a little more sensitivity. Um, I mean, like, they deadass arrested a four-year-old girl for being a witch and kept her in jail for a couple of months. Um, she lived, but, like, you cannot make this up. Yeah. Like, a four-year-old girl for being a, a witch. For, like, this child that has no autonomy over themselves. And, no, that's a witch. Like, what? That's a baby. And then coming back to the book, I think it's, it works well as an allegory, but it also seems like maybe this aspect gets lost right from the beginning if you don't have a comprehensive understanding of McCarthyism and just becomes a book about witches and more importantly, not a super accurate account of the Salem Witch Trial. Yeah, because I feel like um, when you think about this book, like when all, all I remember from this book in high school was, oh, the Salem Witch Trials and witches. witches. Yeah. That's all, that was it. Yeah. yeah. But like, there's so much more to it right and i feel like we unpacked that in high school a little bit but not to the extent that it like sticks i think enough like and i felt that way kind of about lord of the flies too and i felt that way a little bit about the outsiders like there are all these really important underlying social messages about class consciousness and the outsiders um about uh like british imperialism in lord of the flies and then hear about mass hysteria and it feels like we do touch on those in school and maybe that was the intention for introducing the books into the schools but then it gets kind of forgotten and muddled among everything else yeah. so maybe my larger point with this back to school specialism needs to be a, 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 a huge reform <laughs> of like the canon that is explored in, in english classes but um on a smaller scale Boy, oh boy. That's it. Awooga. Awooga. <laughs> so, Caitlin, yeah. on a scale of one to five, chicken heads randomly bit off by Winona Ryder for no damn reason at the beginning of the movie, The Crucible. That's what she did? I do believe so. Um, she, she just bit into that thing. I don't know if it was the head, but it was most certainly a part of it. I, I Okay, I watched the movie in, today, and I saw her pick something up, and all of a sudden there was blood on her face. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a choice she made. She did make that choice. Um, what would you rate this book? Well, after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say three out of five. Uh, ch- chickens <laughs> getting their head bitten off by Winona Ryder. It's a valid form of, of statistical measurement, I do think. Sorry, I'm just thinking about Winona Ryder biting a chicken. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, three out of five. It it was fine. Um, I uh, canonically don't really like history all that much. Not because like like it's not that I don't care or care to learn. It's just like a topic that I'm not interested in or great at. And so I don't know, I don't know why I don't know why I don't know why my brain is like this, but like. Once my brain hears historical, I'm like, uh, turn it off. Goodbye. Shit, powering <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Out. Um, Peace out. I'm done. Yeah. yeah so I, I just prefer reading stories that um, are more modern or absolutely fantastical and has nothing to do with our actual society. So um, I wasn't, my full attention and interest wasn't completely here in this book, but I still think it's an interesting story. And it's still very yeah. captivating and interesting to read. Um, and in, t- in uh, turn, also learn about the time period that this mm-hmm. uh, takes place in. So that's why I said three 
um, yeah. because it it opens some eyes a little it bit. It opens some eyes, just not the chickens. Just not the chickens, <laughs> which are being bitten up He's by dead. Winona Ryder. Yeah, I, I agree. I think consuming this book like a novel, it's like a two for me. Um, because, I mean, even in its... I feel like I had the same problem with Shakespeare in high school, but reading a play yeah. aloud in class or just, you know, at night after you get out of theater practice and you're exhausted from your theater teacher screaming at you, it's, like, really hard, I think, to digest what's going on in the more complex themes in the book. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like my issue with it is, like... And I think an issue I had in high school with is because when I'm reading, there's certain ways of how I hear characters and how I picture characters... So when someone yeah. else is reading it, which is another reason why I should stop using audiobooks, when another person is reading it and it's in a way that doesn't, isn't the way that my brain hears it or like pictures it, it kind of takes away where I'm just like, who's that talking? Um, <laughs> or, you know, in high school when all of us are just reading it off the cuff and some people are putting their all into some characters so sometimes a little too much and then others who uh-huh. just are like I just want it to be lunch period now um, yeah. it kind of hits different when other people are reading it or when other people are hearing it um, yeah. so I feel like if I read it as an actual book it would have been better but mm. I've lost I lost track of what my original point was <laughs> I think as a play, I'd absolutely love it. I think if I went and saw it, I'd probably oh, be like, yeah. this, is, this makes sense. And if I also, I think, like, maybe uh, tweaked my understanding of McCarthyism beyond, like, surface level, um, I'd probably also enjoy it. Because, like, there's some really interesting things that happened um, during uh, this country's Red Scare, uh, as they call it, that I think... Um, would be interesting to revisit through the lens of this book. Speaking of high school memories. Oh no. We have to share one each of no. us as part of this series. Why did you do this? I don't know. <laughs> I, I had a big manic idea. I had a big it's idea. It's a good idea until I realized that I couldn't remember shit from like I have one. Uh not very good honestly. What one time uh one time I was making out with this guy <laughs> in the auditorium good start and a teacher almost caught us <laughs> and it was really scary because we had to hide wait that reminded me <laughs> of uh i can't remember which musical it was but um our directors were once again being dicks um oh yeah because we had everything everything was fine and it was a few days before the show but we just all kind of needed to let out some steam so mm. we started singing les miserables <laughs> instead and we did like a whole production of it and they came in and they're like see you should have been taking this time to rehearse your lines and doing this and doing that and we were like we we're good <laughs> like we're fine <laughs> can we take five minutes to have fun is it fair if not completely accurate to say that perhaps the real witches in society are high school theater directors mm. like the level of importance that they place on things that are literally n- nothing yeah <laughs> It's it's truly, like, wow. Like, it's <laughs> like, did Ryan Murphy write this? Like, are we in Glee? Like, wow. New high school memory unlocked. Do you remember as a drama department? Um, we had there was like uh, almost like not even like a showcase, but just like an award ceremony somehow. Oh. Okay. Holy shit. This is the real story that I'll oh probably cut everything else sued. out. We're going to get sued for defamation. This all allegedly happened. Allegedly, we were. So there was like a local, like, award ceremony type thing. So, like, different high schools could nominate a couple people in their play, their musical for like you know like supporting actress or lead actress like all like it was basically like the oscars but for musicals which i guess would be the tony awards but for high school (laughs) 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 so um we were going to the tony awards but for high school where we were (laughs) and i remember like our director was hyping it up and she was telling us like 
like she told us like who was nominated and everything and how like um every high school was gonna be able to perform a scene from their musical Mm -hmm. uh at the show and it was all very Mm -hmm. exciting and how it was very new like we've never done this before we're like cool this is awesome and i remember her pulling me and three other girls aside because we were doing cinderella and she wanted us to do um uh i think it was like driving through the moonlight uh, which is like the two stepsisters the step the stepmother and cinderella and Uh because she's like i want to use that as our show and i was like oh my god that's so exciting and like she was hyping us up and i was like oh my god i can't wait to like perform this on like the stage um that we've all gone to multiple times and i was like that's really exciting so the nominations come in oh and that was the other thing was that people from this place uh anonymously come see your show you don't know what night they're coming and they judge you and they you know decide whether or not who's gonna win uh based on all of the places in the county or area wherever wherever it was anyway yeah (laughs) nominations come in uh who are nominated and it's not these students faults at all they had no control over this but it was so random first of all it wasn't even the people who were nominated for our show it was um people who were didn't even have like actual parts in the show like they were ensemble they were ensemble which is like congrats but like also how did that happen Uh, So that was really confusing. And then we go to this event. It's like all coming back to me. So we go to this event and like we're all like I'm wearing my prom dress because it's supposed to be like a really fancy event. And we have to be there like all day. Oh, and here's another kicker for um, the performance that was chosen. We didn't even get chosen. (laughs) Yeah, like. Sorry, go ahead. No, she gassed it up like everybody was going to get to perform yeah. the piece. <laughs> she, like, really made us believe. She goes, yeah, you guys are going to do this, and it's going to be great. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And then it was literally all the big city schools who had money. <laughs> it was, like, good. For, like, they had great performances. It was awesome, and they totally deserve Remarkable. what they get. But it yeah. also just sucked as, like, we had – I really still – I genuinely feel like we had a lot of really good talent at our school, but – there was no way we were ever going to get recognized at that event because we just didn't have the production for it. And I feel like mm-hmm. even if I was a judge, I would kind of overlook us compared to maybe some of like the um, the schools that actually cared about their music and drama departments. Yeah. Um, so if you're in a really good music and drama department, cherish it. Um, cherish it. So we're not even performing two ensemble people get casted although we are gassing them up we're like you know like cheering for them everything good for you yeah, yeah we're like but yeah. we're like this doesn't make any sense but let's go and yeah. so not only do we have to go to the event but we have to go to the rehearsals which for us was really annoying because we just sat and watched we the whole just time sat there the entire like a whole day and um the night comes and we all have to be get we all have to get ready and our was it our director who told us where to go or yeah it, so she's like this is where everyone's gonna get changed and get ready and we go i don't even know where we were at the event it's all coming like back some to basement you. Some, some basement basement of this place and all like these they're basically green rooms for people and so we were in there and we've you know, we make set up camp. We put all of our stuff down, which is a lot because there's a lot of us for some reason. And we all start getting like, uh, we go to the bathrooms, we get changed and we start doing our hair and makeup. And then someone comes in and says, you guys can't be in here. This is a green room for so-and-so. And we were like, oh, our director huh? told us this is where to go. We're like, well, you need to leave. So we all had to pack up all our shit and leave. And we're looking for our director. We're like, where is she? And she's like, well, I'm going to leave and go to my house and get ready. Um, I'll see you guys later. And she left us. <laughs> Just straight yep. up. Left us alone. Left our entire party. There was no other, to my no- memory, there was no. no other adults on this trip with us. No other adults on that trip, yeah. Just, I think you and I were the oldest people. Yeah. So it was just her and her boyfriend at the time who 
uh, where Whoa. I don't know how that was allowed. Um, probably wasn't. So they left and to go get ready at their house and left us just there, not knowing what to do. We were wandering around this basement. Yep. So we all started getting ready. And then, you know, naturally, uh, not, no one went from our high school. Um, we watched everyone do fantastic performances, none of which we yeah. were involved in. Um, and just, the, it was the weirdest night ever. Huge waste of time and money. Huge yeah. waste of time and money. I remember, like, just feeling like shit at the end of it because I just didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go no. home. I wanted to die so badly. Yeah, and then I remember being so frustrated with our director, and then I remember her just being just like, what's the big deal? Just have fun. And I was like, I can't because I'm in, I, you left and put us in charge of people. And she was also drinking. Yeah, um, yeah. At a school, like this school event, which I thought was interesting. Like, I had never seen that before, like where a teacher just kind of took a load off like that. Yeah. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. I thought about that a lot in the year that followed. Yeah. Um, because it really did change the way I think about adults. I think before that, I was always like, oh, like adults are perfect. Adults are make adult decisions and they do not make child mistakes. And I learned so much from that experience about just how often I think like kids have to bear the burden of making adult decisions when adults decide to act like children. And I took that with me forever. So thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for this. It was entirely Uh, unhelpful. But thank you. And I remember wanting McDonald's the whole time and not getting it and being very sad. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Lip by Moonlight um, and our horror stories. Speaking of horror stories, tune in next time when we begin our next season of Halloween Horror with The Haunting of Hill House. Spooky. 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 And if you're still listening, um, first of all, thanks for making it to the end. (laughs) Secondly, if you're listening to this, please DM us a picture of a really cute ghost. Yeah. That's going to be the thing that breaks me if you don't do that. Yeah. So, please. Please do. We need our fans to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.